You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to Clan of Three. It's a Mashless Button podcast dedicated to the TV show The Mandalorian and all things Star Wars. I am your host, Kurt Smith, or Edinar as I go by. I am joined today by my two co-hosts. Uh, let's start off with Corey Treadway as Kurabara. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I've had I've already watched this this episode four times. I'm ready to get into this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got him, and then we got our other coach, Death Squad. Death Squad, how you doing, bud? I am doing good. I am ready to get into this. Yes. All right. So uh, we would like to welcome any first-time listeners. If you would like to become part of the Clan of Three community, please join us at discord.me slash mash those buttons, where you can uh, meet the host and talk Mandalorian and all things Star Wars. Uh, we also want to give a shout-out to Nick, or Wookie BH, or officially the Clan of Three, the Armorer, uh, who has been doing our awesome quick snippets about the plots to each episode's or acts, as you'll see, uh, that, that you will hear during this podcast. Um, so special thanks out to him. Those are pretty cool, so we don't have to spend too much time going over face of the story yeah and he's got some really um, good writing so i really enjoy the way he writes these episode r- recaps if for the next few episodes too you have any questions you'd like us to ask be sure to like message the mashes buttons twitter or get into mm-hmm. get the discord and ask us questions of what you want to know about the episode Something yep, we may have missed. Uh, or or legit anything star wars or just tweet i'm happy any to of talk us. about star wars anything because Star Wars is a giant nerd passion of mine. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, let's start with we'll start with Act One. Let's let's get into that. Chapter Nine: The Marshal. The Mandalorian returns, walking through the slums of a city full of some sort of predatory creature. He and the child enter a small arena, hosting a fight between two Gamorians. He meets with Gore Koresh, a local crime lord who knows where other Mandalorians can be found. Koresh tries to get the Mandalorian to wager his Beskar armor on the match, and when the Mandalorian declines, Gore shoots one of the combatants and his crew hold the Mandalorian at gunpoint. The Mandalorian uses his whistling birds to take out several of the goons and then fights his way through the remaining thugs until he has Gore all to himself. He strings him up from a pole outside the arena and learns that there is a Mandalorian on Tatooine leaves Gore hanging as the predatory dogs from earlier come out for a meal. The Mandalorian heads to Tatooine and meets up with Pelimato, the mechanic in Mos Eisley. She tells him to go to Mos Pelgo. He and the child proceed to the small mining village and he heads right for the cantina. He starts talking to the bartender when another Mandalorian enters that appears to be Boba Fett. Okay, so we just got the synopsis of Act 1. And this is a pretty, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but it was one of those things where the majority of what we saw in the, the trailer, we saw in season, in episode one. Yeah. And this is typical Disney fashion. Like, they make you think with the trailer that you're seeing this whole big expansive stuff. 
when in reality you're just seeing like the first five minutes of episode one. Which I'm kind of okay with, because that means we still have another seven episodes, so that means a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet, so mm-hmm. I'm pretty, I actually like the way they like just took majority of episodes one's like for at least first act and just use that to get us hyped. Mm-hmm. I'd rather they do that because too many shows and movies, they put everything in their trailer. So by the time you see it, yep. you already know what's going to happen. And yep. I, that's what I like about this because now we've seen everything we've seen in the trailer and now I, I'm clueless. I have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like everything we saw in the trailer is basically, okay, we saw it already. And, and I'm fine with that. It, the trailer did its job. It hyped us up, but the first episode was like, okay, here's everything you saw in the trailer. You have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, but but we we get the first initial shot of of the season with Mando and Baby Yoda walking down the street in um I don't know what city that is. I don't think they actually gave I don't think they name. actually say it is. Uh, but you have like the the wolves it, hiding in the in the 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 shadows, the which wolves. a lot of people thought was Jawas. It turns out to be uh, not Jawas, but like uh, wolves that are just that can only be in the dark. And you know he's going down the street with all this graffiti on the wall, done by David uh, Cho, done by David Cho. Which uh, before um, before we get too far. Who is David Cho for people who aren't aware of yes. that? He's uh, an artist. So he he has some really good stuff. Um, he's a podcaster. He's a huge Star Wars fan. He's fixed, well, according to him, fixed the new trilogy, which I thought was hilarious. You can find it on YouTube. What, what is what is he? How do you fix it? It was just a fan-made project? It's just, yeah, fan, it's like his fanfic. Mm-hmm. Which is actually funny because he does it with Star Wars toys, <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, like a stop animation type thing. No, it's like I think it's, it's almost like he's holding them and like you know, like a little kid playing with them. Okay. Yeah. Um. I did like how I you saw like stuff like kind of like a stormtroopers and C three PO in no the no on no no. I'm going to stop you there. I was waiting for one of you two to bring up the C-3PO. That looks nothing like C-3PO. It's it's a robot with gold, and that's it, but does not look anything like him. That's what I mean. Look, it's, it's, it's just it's supposed to remoke the, the uh, remind people who watch it what C-3PO. It's not C-3PO because the stuff's just like artwork, but it reminds you of it. Yeah, it's just... it. Like everything else looks like stormtroopers, and there's a lot of things hidden in the the graffiti. I just it like when I saw the the C three PO artwork on um on the walls, it just it looked nothing like them. And yeah, it could have been put there to just be like an Easter egg, yeah. but it just didn't look anything like them. Well, then again, it's like what graffiti usually looks exactly like things. Stuff kind of gets thrown off. I don't know. Those those stormtroopers look dead on. Even they, they look kind of like messed up. They look. They reminded me a little bit of Dark Helmet, a little bit from the uh, spaceballs. Storm spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, they actually do. I'm like, I'm like, uh, that visor looks kind of off. Yeah. Uh. So so we got that. We got the initial walk up, and then he goes to a dark. 
oddly enough, which he goes to a dark and seedy place, and he goes in um, to a, a Grimorian uh, guard battle royale, as you might put it. So we go in, and there's two Grimorian guards uh, fighting it to the death, which is awesome, which we saw in, in the trailer. Um, and he talks to somebody named Gorkresh. Now, I didn't know this. Like, Death Squad, you actually pointed this out to me, and I didn't know this when I watched it because it does, also doesn't sound like him. But who was Gorkresh? That's John Leguizamo. Does not really sound like him because no, you know doesn't. he's an actor and you know changes his voice. But I kind of figured it out. I, I'm like I recognize the voice slightly, and then I had to look it up, and I was surprised that it was him. Like I've seen it four times, and I still can't hear John Leguizamo as that voice. <laughs> like it's just not something that clicks with me. Um, so I, I mean, it's cool that they get some more cameos in there. It's, and, and these are the kind of things where you're going to get these big names in there to do cameos, small cameos, and it not cost anything because they probably just want to be in star Wars. Do you guys think a lot of these big name actors are really charging anything or if they just are diehard star Wars fans and want to be a part of the star Wars universe? I think they're just fans because hell, if they ask me to play anything and I'd be in full makeup, I'd jump right on it. I don't care if you recognize right? me or not. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things like, I mean, with the, the latest star Wars trilogy, you have the Daniel Craig mm -hmm. that nobody really knew about, but had a speaking part, but he had, a, he was in the movie. Uh, Simon Pegg is another one. Who, who probably just did it for free because I just want to be part of the Star Wars universe. Well, even that, it's also one of the biggest property, like, like uh, properties there is. So it's like, you want to be either in Star Wars or in Marvel right now, so... Yeah, you want to be in one of the two. Basically, in 15 years, can you go to one of these conventions and say you're part of the Star Wars universe? And they can do that. Like, they have an, an uh, ultimate, like, all right, no matter what happens with my career, in 15, 20 years, I can go to a Star Wars Comic-Con. Yeah. So I was in this in this scene, you know. I was, I, I was this person in this. And be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm settled. Uh, but so what we had is Gore Koresh and uh, Mando have a talk. And Mando wants to know about where other Mandos are. And Gore Koresh is like, give me your GD arm. Surprise. And that turns in, yeah. <laughs> and because Beskar is very sought after. And it's probably going up in price. So, uh, you know, then you get the, the other part in the, the trailer where all the guns are pointed at Mando and then Mando brings out the, the what is it, the Whistling, whistling birds, whistling birds, whistling birds, and uh, Baby Yoda like closes his own shell to protect mm -hmm. himself. Yeah, I like this part because when I watched that in the trailer, I was like, the scene start with the arena full of people, and then when they go to that scene, they drop some. There's only like five people. I'm like, where'd everybody else go? Yeah, like so oh, he takes out the, <laughs> yeah he takes out the initial five, but there are other 
that other people that like join in. Uh, what I found funny was the Grimorian guard who did the complete WWE. I'm going to dive over the top rope and miss you dive. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm diving over the top ropes and you know what? You know, yeah. I'm going to miss. That's just how it is. Well, considering he was about to lose until Court Gresh like, shot the other one, so don't think he was the best wrestler anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's basically, the, the one really cool thing about this fight is he used his armor offensively. Oh, like, he was headbutting. Headbutting yeah, he fist. used it like, like, it is used as if they're punching it, they're getting hurt by punching, which I thought was cool. Like, why are you punching a guy who's in freaking Beskar armor? It can block blasters. Is your fist really going to dent that thing? So, I mean, that was a pretty cool fight. And and that's just kind of, uh, you know, points to Mando's badassness, I guess, is, is, is the best way you can put it. There's that, and then the only thing that like, kind of questioned for me is like, pair of the guys says he's gotten best carver for Mandalorians before. Are you sure? Because every other Mandalorian I've seen has kicked ass, and you do not seem c- good enough to be able to kick any Mandalorians. Right. Ass. And also, where the hell is that armor? If yeah. you've gotten it before, where is it? Like, I'm guessing he sold it, but still, I don't believe you. Yeah. What did, What did you think of the fight scene? I liked it. It sh- showed more of his hand-to-hand combat, and like he really does know how to fight. Um, there weren't really uh, after once the fight started, there were no real Easter eggs. Um, once he was starting to fight, now he defeated them all, and Gore Koresh basically bitches out. Well, is the best way to put it. He just starts running. Didn't we have some other people in the crowd, or we already talked about that? I missed her. Oh, yeah. uh, David Cho was actually David Cho was Cho. in the yeah, crowd. He was in the crowd, so he was the uh, alien that they kind of focused on, cheering him on. Okay, I didn't notice anyone else in the crowd besides David Cho. Yeah, I didn't seem to see anybody that looked like anything that I could rem- that reminded me of anything else in the crowd. There might have been something else. I'll have to rewatch it a fifth time and see if I missed it. Exactly. You're going to see alien races that you recognize throughout the, the series, but we're not going to break that down. Not all of them. Especially not where I broke down them. the ones there, like Zabrax again, but it's like, we've already seen them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gort Koresh runs outside and Mando comes out, uh, can easily dispose of him, and essentially hangs him from a... a a street light, a street lamp, and gets him to tell him where he is last seen the uh, a Mandalorian. Um, now he's he says Tatooine, um, which everyone kind of expected and knew from the trailer that he would be going back to Tatooine. Um, so and this is the oh my god, it's Boba Fett type of thing. Like oh, you're going back to Tatooine to find a Mandalorian. Well, we all know a Mandalorian that was on Tatooine in Boba Fett. Yeah, someone we knew of on Tatooine, which mm-hmm. we head over to Tatooine and get to meet that mechanic again. Mm-hmm. So uh, he basically just strings them up, gets the information, promises he will not die by his hands. 
You knew what that meant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he said that, I'm like, yeah, no, those things in the shadows are going to kill you. And that's exactly what happened. He got what he needed, shot out the light, and those things in the shadows were being killed, gore crashed. Uh, cut to uh, Mando going to Tatooine. Now, the thing is, he's going to... Um, God, what is the name of that town? Well, first, on, first he goes to Moss Eisley and meets a uh, Paleomoto, the mechanic. Yeah, so well, like he has to go find most uh, Pelgo. Yeah, most Pelgo uh, on on Tatooine, which I have never heard of. Yeah, um, well, that's because the only time it's ever been mentioned is in this is in a 2015 book aftermath series. That's the mm. first time it's been mentioned. It was later brought into Star Wars: The Old Republic for one of their expansions, so mm. that's where you physically got to physically got to see it. But actually going there, this is the first time we've seen it. So the ninety percent of the Star Wars fan base has never heard of this one. Yeah, it's not. It's a very. It's not very. Very. Yeah, old. it's, it's very a very new. niche place. So they go to Tatooine. They they he lands and he goes to the mechanic. Uh, I forgot her name. Um. um the mechanic's name is, I think, Peli Moto. Is what their name is? Yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. how to say it. Mm-hmm. Which, so you get to meet, you get to see her again. And the big thing here is that I took away from this is Mando is after his run in with IG Eleven is is okay with droids a little. A little, a little better, a little bit. He still probably has some some PTSD from him, but it's getting. Mm-hmm coping a little better with it yeah so he let the droids work actually work on his ship this time which is is good but it's just good to see her back because she's a she's definitely a fan favorite oh she's like she's a very cool character and uh one thing i we we actually had another friend here from the original trilogy in this episode mm-hmm. like in this first act in the form of r5 yep the droid r5 the, which apparently he was in the Gunslinger episode, and I missed him. Um, R5, for those of you who don't know it, R5 was the original droid that uh, Luke and his stepfather were going to buy in uh, the first movie. That It was the first droid they were going to buy from the job was that malfunctioned, and then they bought R2. Mm-hmm. So R5 was the original droid that they were going to buy. And and, just- and and one thing on this is where our the R five unit actually short circuited and whatever in the, in the first movie you see on the top of the R five unit's head now, um, like you see that same strike where that happened. So Those like you see marks. like a burn mark essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, which was which was a pretty cool little Easter egg throwback. For non uh, diehard, <laughs> non diehard Star Wars fans, like you know, so uh, Desquad, did you catch the R five reference? No, I did. I, I just you did. I like that they um the the detail that they put in with the mark. You know, it shows that they they actually care about it, mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah, I I mean I will say this. I'll throw this out there for this episode. John Favreau has been like the 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 head behind all this this whole sh- series but this is one of the this is a second episode he's actually directed so he's written and directed this episode 
Uh, and he shows it in like his Star Wars knowledge with this show. Mm-hmm. So um, he gets there and then he wants to, he has to go to um, Most Palgo and nobody knows what it is. And, and this is where I have a problem with the show. It, it has only been about 15 years since like 15 to 20 years since the end of the the prequels end of the clone wars and now how do you does everyone kind of like completely not know about the the star wars race or the the jedi race and all these cities in 15 to 20 years yeah, the Jedi can understand like is uh, is the is weird, but for Tatooine itself, the problem with it is it's so sparsely populated, and things mm-hmm. are so spread out that cities get constantly lost off of maps and stuff because like people just go in there and set it up, and they're like, it was there last time we checked. We're not a hundred percent sure if it's still there or not. Exactly. Like, how do you be like, okay, well, this was on the map fifteen years ago, and it's not on the map now. Nobody knows where it is. Like, no, you uh, people know where it is. They know the location where it should have been. Like, well, that's why like, she's a local. She knew where most Pelgo was. It was most people who aren't from the planet. They don't exactly know. Like, there's millions of planets in the Star Wars universe. Probably hard to remember every goddamn city in the universe. So, so he goes out there and he goes into this tiny village with what tops. 10 buildings 10 12 buildings yeah pretty pretty um, normal for a for a a, pl- a town in tattooing sadly now the thing is is how badly are they all freaking alcoholics that oh there's 10 buildings out there and you have to have a bar well like, if you're out in the middle of the desert <laughs> what else are you gonna do <laughs> Like uh, there's gonna there's, get drunk. No, there's no thriving business out there except a freaking bar. Well, yeah, well, they're like the most people are on Tatooine. The only thing I know there used to be a mining town, but mm. a lot of the the only career usually people do on that planet is moisture farmers, which is they harvest water. Mm, God, that's boring as shit. So he goes to the bar, one of the ten buildings in town. And asks for someone who is wearing his arm. He's looking for another Mandalorian. Which brings us to Act 2. The person that seems to be Boba Fett grabs a drink and sits down at a table. As he does, he takes his helmet off and it is clear he is not Boba Fett. He says his name is Cobb Vanth and he got the armor from some Jawas. The Mandalorian threatens to kill him for the armor as it is sacred. They engage in a standoff and the ground starts shaking. A crate dragon swims through the ground, rattling the settlement before eating a bantha. The Mandalorian and Cobb come to an agreement. The Mandalorian will help kill the dragon in exchange for Boba Fett's armor. They and the child head out into the dunes toward the crate lair. They are swarmed by massifs, but before they need to fight their way out, the Mandalorian signals to the Tusken Raiders and they emerge and call off their dogs. Tuscan want the dragon dead too, and they agree to help despite Cobb's reservations. They head out to the dragon lair and try to lure the beast out, but it eats one of the raiders and everyone realizes just how daunting this task will be. 
Mandalorian realizes they will need help from the villagers in Mos Pelgo. Cobb and the Mandalorian return to the town and explain the situation. The citizenry is upset, but they come to an agreement with the Tusken Raiders. The Tusken will stop raiding the town as long as they get the carcass of the creature. Okay. So, uh, we had Act 2, where the, the, the Mandalorian comes into the bar and I don't know about you guys, but when you first saw the person in the Mandalorian armor, did any, either of you believe that it was actually a Mandalorian? No, didn't, didn't have the, he didn't have the wake for like the, the stance. Like he just looked too relaxed, too easygoing and also too thin. Like the armor didn't fit properly. Yeah. The armor was too small for him. Mm Mm-hmm. The the red shirt that he wore underneath is what did it for me. Yeah, like absolutely. I, I'm just like, no, that that doesn't work. Like it works for the character that we come to know, but that is not a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, for anybody who actually when we find the character out, like uh, you, this character actually was revealed in the same book that the Moss Pogo is revealed in the aftermath aftermath books. This character is introduced and is told to hey, he got Boba Fett's armor from Jawas. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, and and the initial like, I'm gonna grab uh, two glasses and some booze and sit down and take off my helmet. That like shock moment uh, was done pretty well. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not from the 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 guy who we know as the marshal, but more from the Mandalorian. Like the showing having showing no facial emotions on the Mandalorian, the way they shot it, you could see kind of the see the language. expression on the the Mandalorian's face without actually seeing his face. Mm-hmm. That body language, yeah, that, it, what it, the hell it, moment? Exactly, it's this like. What what now? You took off your helmet and you're doing shots? What what the hell's going on here? Um so it was pretty cool. And and then they're talking and he knows that he's in trouble. That you know he has to have a, a Mandal he's like a Mandalorian won't let a non-Mandalorian keep their armor. I also liked how the marshal didn't even it's like you don't like me have this armor. I know it. He didn't even try to pretend He's a Mandalorian. He's like, I'm not one. I'm not going to lie to you. You yep. know it. I know it. So we get all that. And then we get our Tremors moment. Like, from this point forward, I all I could think about is Tremors the movie. Yeah. Well, you probably thought of Tremors. I, when this scene happened, I'm like, is it what I think it is? Really? I haven't seen one of these actually in the movies. Oh, shit, it is. Yep. It was a crate dragon. Uh, which we have seen in the movies, technically. Skeletons. Yeah. We saw a skeleton of a crate dragon uh, when C-3PO was walking through the desert. And um, also, you in uh, Knights of the Old Republic, you had a, a mission where you had to kill the crate dragon to get the pearl. Which yeah. must have been a younger one because it was a hell of a lot smaller and it walked on four legs. Yeah. So I wonder, as they get bigger, they lose their legs. Something, but I'm not sure. Yep. I'm going to talk about that once we get into Act Three, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, it's quite similar. 
So you see this crate dragon, not really, do, it doesn't do any damage to the city. It just burrows underneath the city and eats a bantha. Because it's the easy, it's because it, like, a, as you show later on, it, it reads, it goes by tremors and vibrations. So it's like, everybody else got on top of the, of the ground because it didn't sense the vibrations, which just like in tremors, it's like vibrations, food right there, get the bantha. And that mm-hmm. poor bantha was like, oh shit. <laughs> So, like, it burrowed underneath the whole town and and survived, and that kind of was a ceasefire between the marshal and uh, the Mando. Um, And then they strike a deal where the marshal's like, help me kill this, and I'll just give you the armor. And Mando's like, sure. That's fine and dandy. I'm going to help you do this. Because really, Mando is really good at heart. Like, he yeah. just wants to help people. He could have just killed them right there, took the armor, and have been done with it. But he's going to actually help out this village. Yeah, because the guy wasn't using the armor and stuff, like, maliciously. He was actually trying to help mm-hmm. uh, families and children and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, that's basically what we try, we'd like to do, too. So not as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were a couple snippets in here that uh, when they're in the town... Um, that you know could be of note. Um, there was uh, what was his name? He was from Deadwood. There was uh, a W. Uh, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name, but he played Dan Doherty, the bartender yeah, at the gym. The bartender was one of the people in, like, one of the villagers in in the town during all that. I don't think we see him again after after this um but yeah he was just a, a villager and all of this but yeah no, no, he, was, he, the, the bartender was the, we see him again he's the guy yeah. who's from deadwood yeah, the oh there's another guy from deadwood too yeah timothy the, the marshal two from people from deadwood yeah there's timothy one guy like, that was in passing like you just see him carrying something into one of the buildings oh, okay, okay yeah, i didn't notice that, that. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I didn't catch it because, uh, to be honest, I've never seen the show, but it's something that I've read. And it makes like, sense. It's like, it's perfect to bring characters from Deadwood. It's a very Western town. It's a very exa- Western exactly. kind of scene. And this is the perfect, like, scene to, like, bring in just random celebrities to be in, like, the background on, on these shots. Um, so what happens is uh, Mando and the Marshal go out to find where the uh the the dragon lives and they run into some tuscan raiders as, as one would do and There's- he gets surrounded not by tuscan raiders at first by but by their dogs and he uh, emits a sound and this is where it gets interesting um he emits a sound to calm them. Like essentially Mando speaks Tuscan Raider and the, and the dogs are like soothed by, soothed by this. And then the Tuscan Raiders come out and we learn that Mando can actually, uh, c- is communicating. with. Yeah. We that see this before, me. before in a uh, last season during guns, the gunslinger episode when they went to tattooing the first time. Because he originally met with some Tuscan Raiders to look for them, so this is not the first time we've seen him speak to the 
them, but this is the first time we've had a more in-depth conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing I've actually kind of appreciated about the series. Usually beforehand, they've usually put the Tuscans as like just savages, just people you can't, there's monsters just attacking you or doing stuff like, mm-hmm. can't trust them. This one you actually show them, they're actually normal, they're just trying to survive on this harsh planet. They're the natives, and everybody still gives them shit for not one of you on their own goddamn planet. Yep. Now, one thing I will say before we get into the the Mando Tuscan Raiders scene is the sound that the crate dragon makes when he's attacking the village mm-hmm. is the same sound that Obi Wan Kenobi makes when he scares off the Tuscan Raiders in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. It's the same sound. So, like, he's essentially making a crate dragon sound to scare off the Tuscan Raiders because that crate dragon has been there for eons and he's scaring them off using that sound. Sure. So that's, I- that's, that's something I, like I'd forgotten that happened, but that is out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but back to, back to the scene where they meet them and the Tuscan Raiders and he's able to talk to them and, essentially work out a truth at at this point being like we have a we're enemies but we have a common enemy and we're gonna work together to defeat this common enemy for the greater good type of situation Mm -hmm. now i mean this has been this has been in every type of movie TV show throughout history where like you work with your enemy to defeat a bigger enemy like it's it's just one of those things so I, I, I it was cool to see the Tuscan Raiders be represented mm-hmm. in all this yeah I did like the part where they're having that little uh try to share that, that thing with him I don't know what it was but he they the water that weird water yeah, the weird liquid thing which I guess like but a planet has very little water. You have to try to find some kind of hydration somehow. So, mm-hmm. but still. apparently, it's very disrespectful to refuse it. Right? Yeah. They were not happy. Well, can you blame them? It's a planet with very few resources. You are wasting resources by not taking it. Mm-hmm. That is like really. There's not a lot here, and you won't take this little bit of thing. Mm-hmm. Screw well, you, because it smells like shit. Mm-hmm. So, um. So but, that's kind of like the the middle act. Like let's mm-hmm. let's be real. Like so what happens is like they follow the uh, the Tuscan Raiders follow them back to the the village. Now one thing I will say that is a callback and I don't know if if you guys caught this, but if you remember so they they came in in a single file line back to the village. Yeah. Who said that before? <laughs> yeah, that is a throwback to Obi-Wan Kenobi saying that Tuscan Raiders always go in single single line to mask how many people there are. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that that was a nice little throwback and continuity thing, but um they come back to the village to to team up and and that's where we hit act 3. Well, before that, you we, we you forgot the part where they literally they showed them what the Cray Dragon can do because they introduced them beforehand. Yes, 
Like the Tuscan Raiders are are well aware of the crate dragon and how big it is and what it can do and and the scale of all of it because they've been there for thousands of years. Yeah, cuz like they that was one thing that was kind of cool they had them they brought a bantha in which you think the bantha's going to get eaten. The dragon comes out and is like, "No, I'm going to get the one that's running away right now and making more noise." And you get to actually see how big that crate dragon is. Mhm. And then Marshall's like, "Oh, that's a lot bigger." Yep, that like cuz he'd only ever seen his head and not his whole body. But like it's kind of one of those like the people in and most whatever town that is and I'm going to forget it from here most to Pago. the most Pelago. I'm going to forget it from here to Kingdom Come because I don't think we'll ever go back there. Um more than likely not. It's it, it, like they aren't aware of it, but the Tuscans have passed it down through generation. And and they know what they're actually fighting. Yeah. Uh, and how big it is. Like, And they're tired of losing people to it when they try to feel a bantha to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they tease, like, like uh, what was it? Uh, he lives in the old Sarlacc pit. And the marshal's like, I've never known a, a, an empty Sarlacc pit. And Mando's response was, like, and this should scream to the example of it, is, well... That uh, this is what happens when the Sarlacc is eaten. Like, like this thing's so big, it big it ate the Sarlacc. Yeah, and no, lives no in no thousand years of digestion. Just, uh, just ate him. Yeah, you just <laughs> ate him. So, like, yeah, this is a, a big mf. Like, mm-hmm. so, um, but let's get into the 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 ending of the the series. Let's go into Act Three where. We start everything off. Despite tensions between the two groups, the villagers and the raiders prepare to attack the crate dragon. They load large quantities of explosives onto the Tuscan Banthas, and the caravan travels back to the crate lair. They bury several of the munitions outside of the lair, with the plan being to lure the dragon out until its exposed underbelly is over the bombs, at which point they will detonate them. They wake the dragon, and after a struggle, they do manage to get it over the bombs. The bombs detonate, and the dragon slinks underground. It is not dead, however. It emerges from atop the mountain and spews its acidic bile all over the group. The Mandalorian and Cobb fly up with their jetpacks and antagonize the creature until it tries to attack them, and then disappears again. It comes out behind the group, and the Mandalorian improvises a plan. He and Cobb get the beast's attention, and then the Mandalorian lets the dragon eat him and a nearby bantha, which happens to be loaded with explosives. The creature submerges under the sand for a moment, before re-emerging with the Mandalorian flying out of his mouth, and then his belly explodes and rocks the valley as he dies. The Tusken Raiders waste no time in flaying the beast carcass, and the Mandalorian claims Cobb's armor. As the Mandalorian leaves, he passes an observer, who appears to be the real Boba Fett. Okay. So we start off Act 3 with the Tusken Raiders showing up in the city. And, like, we see them gearing up for war. Now, what were some takeaways from this that you guys saw? Well, I know the first one, when they actually got there, like, when the marshal explained to them, like, hey, we got to take this thing out. It's just going to eventually start eating the school, start destroying everything. We're we're eventually not going to lose just a bantha or two. They're going to start eating people. 
And then they're like, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, cool. I love that idea. Great idea. Like, yes, but we need some help. We need help from the Tuscans. And everybody flipped the hell out when they heard that. They're like, mm-mm, I don't know about that. Why would not have these monsters? They're like, they're destroying them. Other like, you know, mm-hmm. racist kind of things. Well, like, the big thing is the Tuscan ra- the raiders have pillaged and killed people in their village. Like, they're mortal enemies at this point. How How easy would it be for you to be like, Hey, I know they've come in here and and murdered your friends or family. How easy would it be for you to team up with them and trust yeah. them? Well, there's that. It's still, I still have hard part with that part. It's still like you guys are still on their planet and taking their shit. So, mm-hmm. and it's still you never, you can't really know if you can trust them or not after everything that's happened. So, but you got to look at it both ways. It's like. Either keep fighting them and have to worry about the crate dragon, or team up and take it out, and then hopefully you can live in peace with each other. Exactly, and and that's the big thing. Is the 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 raiders said in this this deal that unless they're fired upon by someone in that village, they will not attack that village. So it's a one hundred percent a peace accords. Yeah, and it basically is well is worded specifically like, "Hey, we will not attack you until you attack us." Mm-hmm. Literally, and it's not if you attack us, but when they'll attack us because they're like they're pretty sure someone's going to screw up. Screw up. Until yeah. then, they'll follow it. Yeah, so it's basically it's a peace treaty if you help us type of situation. So it's going to be a peace treaty or we're all going to die type of situation. Which fair, fair I, can get, fair I, I can get behind. Oh yeah. Um. So you had the the nineteen uh, the the eighties uh mont- movie montage of getting prepared. The only thing we're missing from it is uh I have the tiger music in the background. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're they're preparing for war. They're loading up the 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 banthas with as soon as all right. As soon as they they showed the the bantha being loaded up with uh, explosives, I knew what the hell was happening. You knew how it was going to yeah. end. Even I knew, knew how it was going <laughs> to end. Uh, but we 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 uh, there's more to it than that. So like they load up, they they get all their ammo, get all their gear, have a plan, and mm. they go to the lair. Yeah. Oh, and one thing before we get into that that the one thing we can't forget to mention is the marshal is riding a specific bike. Uh, the marshal is. Uh, uh, Death Squad, did you catch that? I did. That's uh, Anakin's uh, pod racer, or at least part of it. It is one half of Anakin's pod racer attached to um, attached to a speed racer, like a you know. And and it's pretty cool. Uh, the one thing I hate about that whole scene where they show him on that bike and Mando is that they're just having a casual conversation. And <laughs> like, like there's no wind. They're not going that fast at all. They're just yeah. having a casual conversation back and forth. Like, no, that's not how it works. 
And you're like, how are you doing? But like, so he's what? giving that an entire monologue. Like, <laughs> no, no, he can't hear a word you're saying, dude. Like, if they were talking through the helmets, maybe I'd get that. But uh... yeah, if they had like a speaker system or some shit like that, then sure. Um, I didn't think about that. That's yeah, like, I'm just like, come on, you're you're like the most like you. You're on these pod racers, and then you're just like you're speaking clear as day to the person next to you, and you're going like seventy miles an hour. No, just no, no, no. hard pass on that. Um, but all right, so they gear up for war. They get over there, and they they find out that the crate dragon is uh, sleeping. So they plant explosives to lure it out far enough. That they can blow it up by its belly, because that's its that's his weak spot, and that uh, AKA that's the weak spot of any 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 enemy creature mm-hmm. is always the underbelly, no matter it's what just, it is. But it's also kind of funny they also had ballistas set up for to shoot to shoot t- cables at it. But it's like the wimpiest looking pieces of road I've ever seen. Right. It wouldn't even but, hold my dog. But the thing is, is they were just using that to to piss it off. Though they're using the like the the gun stuff to piss it off. The ropes they were trying to use to tie it down and bring it over and keep it in place for the explosives. I'm like, that thing is huge. Why did you think that a tiny rope like that is going to hold back? Like even though they use multiples, they had lots of them. I get that. But those ropes should have been thicker. Tuscan Raiders. They they are they're very I I I I mean they're they're not technically into advanced technology. No, no, that's 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 beside the point. I'm saying even not using advanced technology, the ropes themselves were too thin. They should have been like three or four of those tied together for one rope. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. Like it needed to be like a like they needed to bind them more together and make a a, a thicker rope. Mm. That's mostly my problem. Besides the fact that it's like it should have been hard anyways, but just something that's basically like I could hold easily with my with my hand and no problem with one hand. Like that should that would not hold that. Yeah. The other problem I had with all this was um how uh, the Marshall and Mando. Was we're just like ah screw it we're just gonna stay in the back like we're gonna let everyone else do the work we're just gonna sit in back. The two most capable people probably just yeah we'll let you guys handle it. (laughs) Yeah, you guys go handle this. We're 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 gonna supervise back here. You just if you're doing good bad maybe we'll jump in. Yeah, (laughs) they're like oh I have binoculars I can see how things are going from the battlefield like. Yeah. Really, dudes? And you could shoot rockets out of your pack, which is cool. Yeah. Where also where was he getting these rockets? But that's a whole that's a whole different issue, right? Yeah, there. I was wondering that too, because <laughs> like, like we're not gonna go down that road. Like, where the hell are you getting these rockets? But a whole different but, but how, issue. But how did that go for them, by the way, when they, they try to drag it out? Mm-hmm. It did not go well. Like they, they got it out eventually, and they tried to blow up its its stomach and it didn't work as anyone in the world could have predicted okay 
Like the initial plan is never going to work no. in any show or movie regardless. So all shit goes to hell. And they have to improvise on the fly. So uh, what happens is Mando's like, well, I'm going to I'm going to do Jonah uh from the Bible and I'm going to take me and this Bantha who has all the missiles attached to it, aka throwback to the eighties montage when they're attaching all the missiles to the Bantha. Well, before that, even the, like what was kind of interesting is like the when we ended the last season, the armor gave him the jet the the rising Phoenix jetpack and said like it's not supposed to listen to you. It's, you need to do a lot of training. Did you do your drills? Mm-hmm. And the marshal um. Seem to have no shit fly that jetpack. Right? Oh. And he yeah, had the like... he had the whole um uh it, it was a throwback also to Boba Fett. The Boba Fett thing. Um when uh in uh, a new hope. Uh, no, was it a new no, hope that Boba uh, Fett no, was? It was... In? It was he was in Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi when they hit the back of his his jump his uh, rocket pack and send him flying off. That Mm. is what Mando did to the marshal to get him the hell out of the way. Yeah, that's definitely a defective model that he's wearing. Right, like (laughs) that one. (laughs) The one hit to the back just sends your. Your jetpack flying. You're, like, like you're walking through a door or something. You just clipped it, and all of a sudden you're ah! flying into the ceiling. <laughs> like some little kid walks up and hits him in the back with like a little twig, and then he just goes fucking flying. Well, you're trying to fly his spaceship, and then the little little uh, baby Yoda goes like, "Oh, what's this? Oh, god!" Yep. Uh, <laughs> so Mando sends uh, the marshal flying off, and he goes he goes full Jonah the whale. And the whale with him and gets swallowed up by the crate dragon with the bantha full of uh, uh, missiles. And then, mm-hmm. like, oh, lo and behold, shocker to everyone, he uses electricity to fly out of there with his jetpack while the bantha is still inside and he blows him up from the inside out. Like, yeah. Yeah, like everyone expected to happen. The, the only question I had about that is. How far did he go down? Because before that, uh, Craig Dragon was shooting acid out of its mouth and disintegrating people like it was no freaking problem. But you yeah. just got a little bit of a green goo on you that is not the corrosive kind. You just got lucky and missed that one. No, okay, all right. I have a, I actually have a theory on this because you can see some extra wear and tear on the Boba Fett's armor. So if Boba Fett was down there, his it may be slightly resistant to the the Mandalorian armor, like that acid spit. Or it could also be um come out of a separate gland. That's what I was wondering. Like yeah. it's like his his armor, I don't I, I don't mind will get disintegrated. It's the stuff that's not covered by Beskar. It's just regular material. I was kind of wondering, like, mm, I you got lucky there, buddy. Yeah. But you also couldn't have Mando fly out of that being like squeaky clean. That's true. I would have, like I would have had more like that would have been that. even weirder. Uh, so uh, you know he he flies out and blows it up, 
Okay. So it's the typical fight. Like as soon as you, as soon as this happened, it was like, okay, we all expected this to happen. Now from when it blows up to the end is when the, the good stuff happened. So we see the, the Tuscan Raiders tearing apart the dragon. Harvesting the meat. Harvesting the meat. And what do they find, Kura? They find a crate dragon pearl. Okay. Can you explain what a crate dragon pearl really technically is? Well, what it originally is, is a crate dragons to help with their digestion is they, they eat rocks and stuff to help their digestions. And a lot of times, these are actually, some of the rocks are actually kyber crystals. And they get ground up through all the sand and stuff and turn into a pearl. And these pearls are, to most people, like a lot of regular people, extremely valuable. Like, um, I forget, one of the, like, one of the guards from, uh, the, the person who owned the, uh, crap, I can't remember right now. Uh, Jabba's pet that ate everybody right now. The Rancor. The, per- the guy who actually trained that got used one of those pearls to buy him and his lady out of slavery. And it had plenty to, to keep them going for the rest of their life. Tusken Raiders use this as a badge of honor, showing that you defeated a crate dragon. Mm-hmm. Freaking amazing. And also, it's enough money to help them take care of their village and stuff. And then for Jedis and stuff, they use these pearls a lot of times. They've actually been good enough to make lightsabers out of, because sometimes they get the kyber crystals in there, which are the basis for lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that the Tusken Raiders, like a rite of passage is for them to kill a crate dragon. Yes. Like that's when they become men or adults. How the hell are they going to do that? It took so many, it took a Mandalorian to kill. I, I so don't think I- it's a rite of passage because the thing is no one would, the 95% of all Tusken Raiders would not fit the rite of passage. It's more of, it's more just a, it's a bad, it's an honor thing. Like if you right. can beat one, it's on, it's very just, prestigious mm-hmm. unless it looked like the crate dragon and knights of the old republic it was tiny oh, as hell. <laughs> that was the, the so this whole sequence kind of actually mimics the storyline from knights of the old republic which i wanted to, to touch on like because in knights of the old republic you pull out a crate dragon and then you have to blow it up by its belly in mm-hmm. knights of the old republic and that actually works in the video game like the the show actually goes further than that but like it was a a throwback to knights of the old republic uh but like really appreciated the 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 crate dragon in knights of the old republic looks like a salamander yeah like a big salamander is essentially what it is Mm -hmm. it's like walking on four legs and and stuff like that this is more of a a tremors type of uh you know I wouldn't even say that the, the Tremors one is even tiny compared to this crate dragon. Oh yeah, tiny wise, but like it, it like this is like something burrows underground. Yeah, can come up like stuff like that. So, um, so they're harvesting all that, and then, uh, to be honest, I thought Mando was actually going to let the marshal keep the armor. At the end of all this. But he didn't. He took the okay. armor from the marshal. Uh, and, and drove off. Did you guys think that he'd let him keep it? I didn't. 
I I wasn't sure. I, I was 50-50 on that one. Yeah, I could see him letting him keep it. It's being like, I know you're doing good. Yeah, and they, and this is being used for a noble uh, noble reason. I'm gonna let you keep this. Yeah, but I think they they, they definitely became friends after that. They they're hoping to see each other and work together. They, again, so. We will see him again, but I don't think we'll see him again. Like I don't think Mando will go back to that city. Yeah, well, they don't have the crate dragon problem now, and since they have peace with the Tuscans. A lot of their issues are, are gone. Not as, yeah, like the only other issue they had before was their town was attacked by by raiders who were taking mm-hmm. advantage of the fall of the empire. But that's probably not as bad now because things have now settled down with the new republic. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but all right, let's be real. Let's talk about the main main thing on the episode because everything up to now has all been like it's been cool but didn't really build the story that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last 10 seconds, uh, 10 seconds of the episode where we see Boba Fett and like, you're able to know this and I forget the actual name of the actor, but it, the, uh, it is Django Fett from the, the prequels. But if you know anything about it, like Django Fett was like the clones, like all the clones were made after Django Fett, mm-hmm. and Boba Fett was a special clone made to be Django's, you know, quote unquote, son, and so it it, it essentially is him because he's stranded on Tatooine, where Boba Fett was last seen. So it's Boba Fett, but. It, it looks like Django Fett because they were all clones. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because it's like it's Tamara, Tamara Morrison, the, people, the, the actor who played Django. So mm-hmm. it makes 100% sense why. I had someone earlier ask, it's like, that was not Boba Fett. I'm like, are you sure? Because Wait, that's what? The actor why are you Django. even saying that? <laughs> like, that's the actor who played Django Fett. Why would they make the actor who played Django Fett be there if it's not Boba? And even if it's not Boba, it's probably what it'd be one of his clones then because... Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they be a lot older though? Because if the clones age a lot quicker, yeah, the clones age. That's why it's like very unlikely but, but to be any one of them. Yeah, but didn't they uh, make Boba so he doesn't age? That Precisely. Was, yeah, that's why it he be is Boba a Fett. special clone. Yeah. That's why, like he, like that's why in the prequels he was a kid, and and he didn't age the same way. Like he raised him as a kid, and if you watch the uh, the Clone Wars as well, you would you would see that as well. Or the or the Rebels, where you find the older the older clones oh, who now look like yeah. older. Oh, yeah. So uh, you know, Boba was definitely uh, one of a kind. Let's let's call it. Um. So we see him now. There are some mystery theories out there. That he is, uh, and and tell me what you think of this, is he is actually a Tuscan Raider in disguise. Um, because he has the Tuscan uh, gun and the Tuscan uh, weapon. The Jaffa stick. Yeah, on him. He's wearing the kind of the same garment that Tuscans wear. He just doesn't have the face mask on. Now, oh. if you if you go back to the scene where they first were talking, 
like Mando and the and the uh, the Tuscans, there was one Tuscan raider off to the side, like hunched over, just staring at him. There are some speculations that that actually was Boba Fett. It would be too far fetched because there has been times before, at least in the Legend series, where non Tuscans have been brought into the Tuscan ra- Tuscans because like. If you help them out and you work with them, they will sometimes glad you welcome to their people and let you intermingle with them. That's how we got the first Tuscan Jedi. Was a mixture between a regular human Jedi and a Tuscan Tuscan. Mm-hmm. It's it's just one of those things where uh, I, I I don't know where they're going for this, and I forget what is her name, um, that got killed or. Right? shot in season one uh fennec shand fennec shand uh if you listen closely when uh boba boba fett as we're we're just basically calling it it's that's boba fett when he yeah. turns and walks towards the camera you can hear the spurs of his his shoes the same spurs you heard at the end of that episode where she was shot like the mysterious person that would make sense. Would make a That's lot what of sense. I was I wondering. For sure, we were speculating that before that it was probably Boba Fett. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's Boba Fett in both. And I, uh, we're going to get a Boba Fett heavy probably next episode before he leaves Tatooine. Yeah, we just want to know how did you how did you lose your armor and how did you get out of the out of the Sarlacc pit? Yeah, like. I don't know if they're going to go over how he got out of the uh, Sarlacc pit. Maybe the crate dragon attacked him, you know, while before he had a chance to kill him. Yeah. Also, it depends if that's the same crate, that's the same Sarlacc pit, because there have been multiple Sarlaccs. It's- I, I, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, this is a different Sarlacc pit. I think it's the same one. I don't think well, they'd, they'd be well, like, these are separate. It's possible that that dragon's also been there for generations. So just recently, like the last ten years, decided to kill that Sarlacc and take that cave its home. Yeah, I don't know. So, so that was the end of the episode. That like it was really cool. It was it was the complete like now you see me now you don't type of thing where like oh you think you're like here's all the Boba Fett rumors we see this guy in Boba Fett's armor and it's not actually him. To boom, here's Boba Fett now. What does this mean? And and this is where we're going to kind of get into our topic too. Of what does this mean for the next episode? What what do you guys think is going to come of all this? I'll start with you. I'm going to throw Death Squad under the bus and go to you first. I don't know if it's going to anything's going to come out of it. The next episode, I have a feeling by maybe I'd say like episode five. We'll get more into like Boba Fett heavy story. I think he'll probably get his armor back by like mid season, and he'll be like a integral part towards the end if he has to fight uh, mm. Moff Gideon again. Yeah, they they might leave it as an overarching story of what is Boba Fett doing in the background and like probably the second half of the season, as you're saying, probably bring him into more of the forefront. Till now, we're just gonna see him like hinted at little bits each of the episodes till they release it, but. They could also surprise us and be like, hey, nope, next episode, Boba Fett full-fledged, here right. to stay. Because I, I, I think it would be smarter for them to kind of space it out over the season, 
than than just throw it right at you. Well, the thing is, do you guys see Boba Fett being an ally or an enemy? I think 50-50. Yeah, because like a... Because Bo, it depends. Because Boba Fett really does not currently does not really have a reason to be an enemy yet. Because he's just been a he's been a bounty hunter, mercenary. He's basically the same thing as Mando. It's like yeah, the same career. Like he's not technically he's not an evil character. He was just paid by thugs and stuff, and just had no qualms about going through with it. Yeah, I I'm gonna lean towards enemy because of uh the the other and, and death squad you're gonna have to say her name again and yeah uh because of that story arc of bringing her back um i think he's gonna be more of an enemy than uh an ally in, in this it, instance or it could be they show him as a, as a conflicting enemy character at the beginning and then find out actually he's working to help out afterwards it's in the long run, maybe he could be, yeah. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to see where they go. One thing I'm happy they did is th- this was not a Baby Yoda heavy episode. They're uh, like they're sticking to this is about m- the Mandalorian and not about Baby Yoda. I mm-hmm. co- I forgot about him like towards the end. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I didn't even realize. I- did not even realize I didn't see him for like ten minutes. Well, he was he was there the entire. That's one thing's a little different between this season and last season. Last season he let Mo, like a uh, baby Yoda get a little farther away from him. This one he keeps him at his side almost at all times. Mm-hmm. Even bring him to dangerous places because yeah, he didn't he even didn't... leave it with the the mechanic to babysit, and she offered. Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, kid stays with me no matter what. Yeah, I think it was funny though that your first prediction for like last last week was correct, Death Squad. You're like, I bet we'll see Boba Fett without his armor. I know. I felt <laughs> so vindicated when I seen that. <laughs> uh, that is true. That is true. Um any other predictions for the next episode? I have no predictions because I have no idea where they're gonna go with it. Yeah, I don't have any current hints. All I know is like I'm I wonder if they're going to stick more on Tatooine now, or if we're going to hit to the water planets next. I think we're like, going to have one more episode of Tatooine because you need to have the the Boba like Boba Mando interaction. That's true. Um, I hope we have it where he Mando doesn't know that it's Boba Fett. Do you? Know I kind of want to see though. Is I'd like him because uh, I'd like for the return to Jabba's palace and see what it looks like without Jabba living there now. Because that place is still on Tatooine, still there, even though Jabba's dead. Yeah. But there are a lot of huts still. That has been yeah. in lore. Like, uh, Rebels, I think, introduced a, a bunch of more huts. Yeah, but the Jabba's palace was not a, it was not made by the huts. It was made by monks who lived on Tatooine. So it's just a building that he took over. Yeah. Could, uh, could another crime boss take it over? Sure. But maybe it's abandoned. We don't know. Yeah. So, all right, uh, well, let's close it up for this week after the amazing first episode of The Mandalorian with uh, more to come. Uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts? No. Nope. I do like the fact that it comes out at 3 a.m. so that I have plenty of time to watch it and rewatch it before it we all right. have to record. We're not all <laughs> watching it at 3 a.m. on a Friday. So uh, let's, am, let's but, uh, be real. 
I'll watch it. No, at I'll like, be sleeping. I'll, I'll time, watch it so. at like 8 a.m. when I wake up. I don't know. I watched it, went to sleep, thought about it while I dreamed, woke up, rewatched it. Okay. Yeah, you're weird. Not going to lie, you're weird. <laughs> um, so uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, you can follow us on all sorts of social media. So for starters, you can follow Mash Those Buttons on Twitter at, at the Mash Network. Uh, Kura, where can they follow you at? They're going to follow me on Twitter. going to follow me at Kurabara, uh, Kurabara K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A. Uh, and uh, I forgot, there's also an S on that. Don't forget the S. So find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Death Squad? Yep, Death Squad. You can find me on Twitter at Death Squad and the number zero. Okay. Uh, you can follow me at on Twitter, and that's at, at NR83. Uh, you can also join us on the Mash Those Buttons Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. So come over, join us, and talk everything Star Wars. Uh, share the show with others. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, we, we always enjoy stuff like that. Um, you can support the show by becoming a Patreon over at patreon.com slash mash those buttons where tiers and content available for as little as $1 a month. Uh, we do have a Teespring store at teespring.com slash store slash mash those buttons. So go over and check out the swag uh, and please stay tuned after the show to hear about the other shows on our network. I have spoken. This is the way. May the Schwartz be with you. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There you go. You <laughs> got it. your you got your <laughs> ending there. So have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 